Well, it is a great time of year. We are kind of moving into the throes of college football season. And it was kind of an exciting time in our region as uh, ESPN's college game day was in Ames, Iowa uh, for the Iowa-Iowa State game. And obviously the Huskers had a home game last night. And, and it's just great. Everything about college football is like so much fun. The, the tailgating, you know, the fans, the camaraderie, getting ready, getting ready. And if you have a chance to, to go to a game, it's just, it's just so much fun. But sometimes you can't get to a game. Sometimes you've got to, you know, watch the game on TV, and sometimes you really want to kind of create that game day atmosphere in your house. And some people kind of theme out maybe a room in their house because they really want to make sure they have the greatest experience. And so I've got a few pictures of some people who have really themed out a room in their house. So the first one here, this is a Husker room. Right, you know, so that is a game day room right there. You are ready to watch a game, but maybe you're a Hawkeye. We can put a Hawkeye up right there's a got a great bar going on back there. Okay, we can put the next picture up. You know, from our neck of the woods, the Florida Gators. Great to be a Florida Gator. Had to put that one in there, right? Put another one up, Georgia Bulldogs. Right, I mean that is that is really going all out. Now, some people take this theme. Well, they take it to the extreme. Like, let's put this last picture up. If you are buried in a Husker casket, you have a theme for your life. That is, that is a major, major theme. It's amazing. And so the question is, what is the theme of your life? What is the theme of your life? Your job is not your theme. Your marriage is not your theme. Your kids and your grandkids, that is not the theme of your life. And so the question that we want to ask, the question that we're going to look at today from Scripture is, what is the theme of your life? So we're going to move into chapter 2 of the book of Haggai as we continue to go through the book of Haggai and our series under construction. If you remember, uh, the first chapter was about knowing that we've got to get our priorities right. We've got to put God first in our life. He can't just be a priority. He has to be the priority. You know, we learned the second part of chapter 1 that God is with us. And God loves us and God is for us. So we're going to move in here to chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Haggai chapter 2. Bring it up on your phone or look up on the screen. We'll have it here. So Haggai chapter 2 says this. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shelatile, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. 
and in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Again, I think it's important to point out that the book of Haggai has a lot of dates in it. And again, scholars have been able to really kind of pinpoint when they believe a lot of this took place. And so we believe that this second oracle really took place sometime in October. And it took place during something called the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's like the ultimate tailgate party. It's a seven-day festival where the people of God look back on all the blessings of how God had brought them out of Egypt, how God has provided for them. But it also looks forward to what God is doing in their life. So there was this seven-day feast. It was a festival. And yet what turns out to be happening is that that zeal that the people of God had once they accepted the words of God through the prophet Haggai to rebuild the temple, well, they're starting to fade. They're starting to lose their zeal a little bit. They're starting to lose their energy. They're starting to become discouraged. They're starting to become overwhelmed by the the project that is before them. What started out as a house on fire, we're going to do this thing. Now they're starting to kind of have a negative look, like, I don't know if we can do this. I don't think it's ever going to be as good as it used to be when Solomon first built the temple. I'm not sure it's going to work out. And so God, through the prophet Haggai, comes in and he says, I've got a few questions for you. He has three questions for you. He says this. He said, who has seen this house in its former glory? How does it look now? And does it seem like nothing to you? God is asking the question, do you even remember what the house used to look like? Now, there were some who did. They'd be well past 70 by this time. But they remember when the temple was first built, they were young. But what what God was saying through the prophet Haggai is, you're so focused on what it looks like on the outside that you're missing on the purpose of what's supposed to happen on the inside. See, the temple was a place where the people of God came to worship God. But the the exiles were so obsessed with what it looked like on the outside that they missed the point of what should happen on the inside. And, And sadly, if you've ever been to England and we've got family over there, England has some of the world's most beautiful churches. They are amazing churches. And they have spent millions upon millions in restoring and keeping those churches look as beautiful as possible, but you know that they are more like museums than houses of worship? They're more concerned on what they look like on the outside than what's happening on the inside. And so the prophet Haggai, and God is saying to the prophet Haggai, you're focused on the wrong things. Don't focus on what something looks like on the outside. Focus on what we're supposed to be doing on the inside. And that is worshiping me. So God asks them these questions. What are you going to do? And then God tells them something. He's setting them up. He's saying, you need to be strong. Don't quit. Don't give up. Hang in there and be strong. And the reason that you can be strong is I'm with you. And the reason that I'm with you is because of the covenant that I made with you when I brought you out of Egypt. God was saying, I am faithful. And I brought you out and I provided for you and I'll provide for you again. And the theme of our life, one of the themes of our life needs to be that we trust in the covenant faithfulness of God. If that's, one of the, if that's not a theme in our life, then we have the wrong themes. We have to say a theme in my life. I wake up every day and say I'm not defined by my job or my kids or my marriage. I'm defined by God's covenant faithfulness. 
I know God is good. I know God is faithful. We sit here week after week and we sing about God's faithfulness, but do we believe it? People can say they're a Husker, a Hawkeye, or a Cyclone, but you won't believe it until you see those pictures. If you're willing to be buried in a Husker uh, casket, that is a theme in your life. But can people look at your life and my life and say a theme of their life is that they believe in the covenant faithfulness of God? That has to be a theme that is played out, that is seen. And so that's what God is saying right here. He's saying, because I'm with you of the covenant faithfulness. He says, you don't have to fear. You don't have to wake up every day afraid of what's going to happen. Because you trust the covenant faithfulness of God. Because you know that God is with you. We sang about it. God is with you. God is for you. The Bible tells us, if God be for you, who can be against you? But you have to trust in the covenant faithfulness of God. There is not one thing in the Bible that God said would happen that didn't happen. Not one thing. God is faithful. That has to be a theme in our life. He was with, Sol he was with Solomon. Listen to what it says here. It says, David also said to Solomon his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. God was with Solomon. God was with the remnant. God is with you and I. See, what God is saying through the prophet Haggai is he's giving an encouragement speech. To the people. See, God is in the encouraging business. He's in the restoration business. He's in the rebuilding business. He wants to encourage us to rebuild our relationship with him. And that begins by saying, I know the covenant faithfulness of God. There are so many things that you and I worry about. We worry about everything. We worry about our kids and our grandkids and our country and our community and the future and finances and relationships and the past. And we can worry ourselves to death. But what the Bible says is trust the covenant faithfulness of God. And you don't have to fear. We live so much sometimes in fear of what was, what is, and what will be. But when we trust the covenant faithfulness of God, when that is a theme in our life, it will change how we live our life. Look, the, the people, they were inadequate rebuilders. They, they didn't have the tools. They didn't have the skill set. They didn't have anything that it took to rebuild the temple of God. But they had the one thing that all of us need. God with us. If God is with you, if you trust in his covenant faithfulness, if you know what his covenant faithfulness is. See, sometimes the key to our future is remembering God's faithfulness in the past. If you're like me, whenever a storm comes my way, I develop spiritual amnesia. Some of you, I hear some rumblings. Maybe some of you have this too. Where when something comes in my life that's hard, that's scary, that's big, I think, well, there's no way I'm going to get through it. There's no possible way this works out. And I forget all of the umpteen ways where God brought me through this storm and this storm and this storm and this storm. Because he's faithful. It was about God showing me I am faithful. God is saying, Jeff, I'm faithful to you. I brought you through that storm. I'll bring you through this storm. 
a theme in our lives has to be trusting the covenant faithfulness of God. We cannot trust in ourselves. We cannot trust in one another. We cannot trust in anything but God. And so Haggai, the prophet, this vessel that God is speaking through, the message that God is saying, number one theme in your life, trust the covenant faithfulness of God. But see, the people were so caught up in what the temple used to look like. They wanted the the glory days, the good old days. Did you ever catch yourself longing for the good old days or the glory days? I remember back in the day we were great or we were this. Sometimes we live so much in the past that we don't see what God is doing in our present. And see, the, the remnant, they were so focused on how the temple used to be, how beautiful it was and what Solomon did, and it was these amazing, amazing things that they missed. God was doing something in their lives right now. He was rebuilding the relationship with him. And when they were working on the temple, they were reestablishing their, um, their presence of God in their life. But they wanted the glory days. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I worry about the future. And the only way that I can ever find comfort in my future is if I look to the past of what God's done. And so listen to what God says right here. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Sometimes God has to shake your world and my world so that we know he's in charge. Have you ever had God do that? Have you, ever God, have you ever had God just shake your world? All of a sudden, it seems like nothing is going right. You think, God, why are you doing this? Because he's trying to show us he's in control. When you look at this passage, how many times does it say, the Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty. God is bigger than our circumstances. God is bigger than our problems. And so what the prophet is trying to tell the people is, a theme of your life needs to be trusting God and the covenant faithfulness of God, but also hearing what God is saying. And God was saying this. He says, The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And so what God was saying is stop living in the past and start living in the future. Live for the future glory of God. And that's the second theme. First theme, trust the covenant faithfulness of God. Here's the second theme. Are you living for the future glory of God? Not the current world, but are you living for the future glory of God when Christ returns? Is that a theme in your life? So often we try to fix now instead of saying, my theme is I'm living for the future glory of God. I'm living for when Christ returns. I can't wait for that glorious day. We have to ask ourselves, what is the theme of our life? Sometimes we live for the moment. Or are we living for the future glory of God? And sometimes God has got to shake our world to say, you're focusing on the wrong things. You're living for today and not that future glory, not focusing on Christ. And God said, I will shake the heavens, I will shake the earth, I will shake the land, and I will shake the sea, and you will see that I'm sovereign, that I'm in control. And so God says, look to the future glory. And and that future glory isn't going to be about the outside, it's going to be what happens on the inside. And what makes the the temple have that future glory is the incarnational presence of God. Incarnate, in the flesh. That incarnational presence of God is that future glory. And we see that, we fast forward to the New Testament, and we fast forward to Luke 2. 
Remember, a man named Simon was told, before you die, you will see the Messiah. And what does it say here? It says this, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required. Simon took him in, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory for your people. The incarnational presence, the future glory of the Messiah coming. That has to be a theme in our life. A theme in our life has to be, I'm living for the future glory of when Jesus returns. Because the people were so caught up in the temple's not going to look as good as it used to. They were missing out on a theme for their life and for ours. So God says, I will shake the heavens. I will shake the earth. And we will have peace. We all want peace in our life. We all want peace in our world. The only way is if we have the right theme. And that theme is, I'm living for Jesus. I'm living for his future glory. I'm living for when he comes. And when Jesus comes, we're going to know it. I tell this story back uh, when I lived in Florida before even I met Christy, is when the space shuttle, if you all remember the space shuttle, that was huge in Florida. And every time when the space shuttle kind of came back, it had a sonic boom. And so you knew it. Well, when I first came to know Jesus, I was still growing in my faith. I remember laying in my bed one morning, and I didn't know that the space shuttle was coming back, and there was this huge sonic boom. And I got out of my bed, and I ran down, and I'm like, did Jesus come back, and did I miss him? I missed him. I can't believe it. But when Jesus comes back, listen to what this says. The Lord will roar from Zion in a thunder from Jerusalem, the earth and the sky will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Jesus will come back. Are we living for the future glory, the, the presence of God, when you and I will be with God forever? We have so many themes in our life. We think our theme is our job, our marriage, our kids, our grandkids, our house, our car, our bank account. Those aren't themes. Themes are, I trust the covenant faithfulness of God and I live for the future glory of God when Jesus Christ returns. I was scared that day when I woke up because I thought I had missed him. But as I've grown in my faith, I've come to understand when that moment comes, whenever it comes, I won't need to be scared. I can be confident. I can have a peace. I can be strong. Listen to what it says in Hebrews. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The kingdom of God will not be shaken. If we live for the future glory of God in Christ, that kingdom will not be shaken. Worldly kingdoms will rise and fall. If we trust in the covenant faithfulness of God as a theme of our life. But this text in Hebrews brings up a great question. What is the consuming fire in your life? What is that thing that you go to bed and you wake up thinking about all the time? Is it your kids? Is it your marriage? Is it your community? All of those things. And I'm not saying that they're not important. Don't get me wrong. Those are important things. But they're not themes. A theme in our life says, I go to bed thinking about how faithful God you are. And God, I know you're going to provide. 
and a theme is, God, God, I'm not living for this circumstance. I'm living for your future glory. We started talking about college football and people who theme out their rooms in their house and theme out a casket. Every college football team has one consuming thought, fire in their heart, and that's to win a championship. That's the thing that gets guys up to go to the weight room. That's the things that gets fans to wait after, what, two five-hour weather delays between Iowa and Iowa State, right? That theme is we want to win. We want victory. Shouldn't our consuming fire be Jesus? Shouldn't we be consumed by how faithful God is, how good God is, how loving God is? Shouldn't we be consumed by saying the world is a mess, but the future glory to come, I can't wait to be with Jesus because I know that there will be grace and peace and forgiveness and hope and glory and joy. And as Levi says, uh, roads covered with gold, Dad. There's going to be roads covered with gold. That's where our focus needs to be. That's what our theme needs to be. And, and when, we, when we read scripture and we talk about the temple that Solomon built and then the people rebuilding the temple, we talk about the future glory. Do you know that, that the future temple, the eternal temple, won't be physical? It'll be personal. Let me read to you what it says in the book of Revelation. It says this. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The temple is Jesus. So why wouldn't we look to the future glory of God in Jesus? Why wouldn't we trust the covenant faithfulness of God? That needs to be a theme in our life. We sometimes have to wrestle with that question. What is the consuming fire of my life? What is it that I go to sleep and wake up thinking about? That consuming fire needs to be, I can trust God and I am living for the future glory of God. So I want to encourage you to wrestle with these questions. These aren't easy questions. They're not hard questions, but we've got to answer those questions in our life. What is the theme in your life? And as our worship team comes back up, I want to kind of ask you a few questions that we're going to put up here. And I'd encourage you, talk about these after church, talk about them with your kids, wrestle with them this week. Number one, are you living for the glory of today or the future glory of God? Are you just trying to have your best life now or are you saying, I'm living for the future glory of God when Christ returns? Number two, is God shaking your world right now because he wants to bring you peace. Is God doing things in your life right now? Say, God, why are you shaking my world? Maybe it's so he can show you that he's sovereign and you can have peace. And lastly, what is that theme of your life? If you uh, wake up tomorrow morning and it was you and Jesus, and Jesus says, I want you to write down what you think the theme of your life is, and I'm going to write down what I see the theme of your life is. Would those two things match? Could we say the theme of my life is, God, I trust you because you're faithful. And Lord, I don't live for today. I live for your future glory. Knowing what the theme of your life is will change how you live your life. 
If you don't have a theme in your life, then you're just going to wander. So I would encourage you, friends, wrestle with these questions. Because there's power in knowing the theme of your life. Amen?